Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cloud Wars Live, where we're exploring the ramifications of the digital transformation that is sweeping the world, the revolution in how we live, how we work, how we play, and every other facet of our lives. Our guest today is one of our newest monthly digital all-stars, Bonnie Tinder, who is the founder and CEO of Raven Intel. And Bonnie's in a great position to monitor some of what happens when companies attempt to take on these digital transformation projects with a lot of software implementations. And Bonnie's firm does some research into how those are going, how those work, and how the partners involved are playing a significant role as well. So Bonnie, welcome back to Cloud Wars Live. It's always a pleasure to have you. Likewise, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to the conversation as always. Good deal. I, I have to say, Bonnie, also at the, the orchids, the elegant painting, you always bring a great uh, sense of class to Cloud Wars Live. <laughs> well, ever since Wayne did his segment on you know presentation skills and uh in the in the new digital world uh i had to step up my game so <laughs> well bonnie I, I i'm not trying to get into you know a space race here or something but we we did a, a session with wayne this morning and over his right shoulder on his uh one of his wine racks he has a big bottle of cristal so wow i i've i've got to get my beverage game going on <laughs> the orchids just are not going to cut it <laughs> So, Bonnie, it looked like, you know, for today's discussion, you had put together some really interesting idea, uh, right? You had got some live customer quotes from some of the projects you've been involved in and sort of tracing those to some issues that have been top of mind for you. So how did this play out and, and sort of what's your big view of what these folks have been telling you? Yeah. So um, just by way of sort of background context, um, the, the company that I founded, Raven Intel, is a peer review site. So what we focus on is voice of the customer feedback as it relates to projects. And so, you know, every quarter we're going directly to customers to find out how projects are going, whether they went live or maybe, you know, sometimes they're in the middle of them. Um, one of the big questions that we ask is, you know, what are the lessons learned? What did you learn about the process? Well, you know, what did you learn about the partner or the software vendor that you're doing business with? And it's really that customer feedback that, um, you know, collectively helps, um, you know, really provide some, some real life uh, experiential data for future customers. And so it's, it's really looking at that feedback that I, I'd like to share today. Um, about uh, the, the quarter three go lives. And, you know, typically these large scale projects go live at a, you know, on a quarterly basis. So quarter begin so they can, you know, everybody can move their financials over and have, you know, everything start at, you know, a fresh quarter. Um, you know, obviously the biggest time of year is a January one cutover because uh, you don't have to bring over year to date information. But Q3, I think is a is a big quarter as well, particularly for um, you know modular uh, installs that don't involve the financial side of things. So we had a, a, a high degree of volume with go lives this quarter, um, and you know when you think about these projects right now, not only did these customers have to deal with all of the disruption based on COVID and you know a new work environment for, in many cases. Uh, but then they had these challenging projects that they had to get live at the same time and all of the sort of project management um, 
obstacles that come with, with any one of these large enterprise software projects. So um, these, these sort of, you know, how should I say, uh, customer quotes that I'm going to talk through today are very indicative of what we hear overall. And so I, I lifted out five of them that I think represent some great lessons learned that, that, that you know, your listeners, I think, would be intrigued to know. I also wanted to ask, um, you said there's a relatively high number of go lives in this quarter, which is interesting given, you know, what you described as the reality on the ground. A lot of people saying, well, you know, there's uh, the, the COVID, you know, put things on hold here, there. And I, I get the feeling that there's sort of this split, you know, there's companies that said, we have to peel everything back, lockdown, you know, really take it slow and just hope we get through all this. And on the other hand, there seemed to be some companies that said, look, this is a horrendous situation. Our only choice here is to try to, you know, go full speed ahead and accelerate. How did you see that, that playing out in the, the number of go lives this quarter? So I, I think that Q3, we ended up picking up more of the projects that stalled in Q2. Um, so, you know, July was probably the hardest hit in terms of the paused projects, um, just because there were so many unknowns at that, you know, during that period of time. I think now we're seeing more projects that have, um, you know, that they're, they're back on track. They've restarted. Um, or as you mentioned, in some cases, accelerated, um, you know, to, to keep up with the uh, you know, new digital demands that the customers, or I'm sorry, that businesses are needing to adapt to for, you know, greater user experience and, and things like that in, in this new uh, world of, of work. So we're, you know, eager to hear these five, and it looks like the first one has to do with that thing that uh, I, I would guess most people would say, uh, change is hard, not for me, but for other people. Um, but uh, change, it looks like his number, you know, was the, the, the first topic here. It's got to be such a challenging issue for people to deal with these days. What did you see on that? Mm -hmm. um, well, this, this first customer comment was from an SAP S4 HANA uh, implementation. And what this customer said was, the change management aspect is far more difficult and takes more time than you think it would. Communicate heavily from the beginning and engage, engage, engage your people. We had 10 people at the start and we actively engaged over 150 closer to launch time. Your business process owners need to be clear about their processes and have discussions prior to implementation or allocate those times in the project if it wasn't done. And I think clearly what we hear in, in, I would say, really eight out of 10 of these project reviews is that the change management aspect should not be underestimated. And the companies that don't put enough uh, investment into the change management process, whether it's you know, financial or time investment, um, you know, they're the ones who really feel that, you know, during the, the go live period of time. And, you know, as you mentioned before, ch change is, is never easy, but if you, if you take the change management process and, you know, really look at that as a critical piece of the project, whether it's, you know, how are you communicating the rollout to employees? You know, what is the training situation gonna be? How is everything being documented? Those type of things, you can't rush through those processes 
because if you do, you know, what ends up happening is, is you go live and then you're having to fix things along the way or re-communicate the reasons for change to employees or you get off on the, um, you know, sort of the, the wrong foot and you're constantly playing catch up in terms of the, the overall project satisfaction with, with your user base. So, you know, sort of getting those things tightened up from the beginning before a project goes live um, you know, is definitely time and money well spent. I got to say, uh, I, I recently watched the original um, version of the movie Frankenstein. So it's, it's almost 100 years old now. But, you know, they had a supply chain issue in there. You know, the Dr. Frankenstein's lab assistant, Igor, he was supposed to get a, a nice guy brain. He ended up with a criminal brain. So that was put in. And that the, the change management that <laughs> challenges that responded from that were difficult. So this is not a new problem. But I think what your main point here to everybody is, you know, we hear this over and over and experts in the field like you can tell us over and over, communicate, engage, communicate, engage, do as much upfront of that as you can. But there is seems to be something in the human brain that resists that a little. So um, I think it was a great choice for you to put this up at number one, because if you don't get that right, sort of all these follow on pieces, no matter how good the technology is and all that if you don't get people going into the change angle the right way it's you're going to have a really really hard time with a successful outcome without a doubt without a doubt and you know these projects are you know they're, they're really i mean they're around technology but they are about the people yeah. and if you look at these projects as if all they are is a, you know a, you know flip the switch and we've gone live with a new system and discounted all of the user engagement, adoption, um, and training issues, that's when things fail. And it has nothing to do necessarily with the technology. It has to do with the change management project or process that wasn't you know, thought through during the, the project. Right, everybody would like to have three, but you can only get to pick two. Mm -hmm. So good, fast, or cheap. And you can, you can pick two of those can't pick all three um, because uh, you know you can have a project done well and it will be uh, cheap, but it's not going to be fast. Uh, cheap and and fast, but it's not going to be good. Um, and so any iteration of of those three. Um, here's the customer quote that we have, and this was for an Oracle Cloud uh, Go Live. Uh, and what they said is, is you get what you can, you pay for. Spend the money to have consultants train your internal staff before the implementation is complete. A brief knowledge transfer uh, after all the configuration work is done is not enough to adequately support the system. And here again, what, what we see with some of these projects is that, um, you know, in order to get them sold internally, you need, you know, you need to make them as, as cost competitive as possible. And so if there's certain things that you can take out of the contract or your, your supplier takes out of the contract or your partner, um, you know, it, it becomes a lot easier to sell internally when the price tag isn't so high. Uh, with that said, if you take out critical pieces uh, like uh, you know, change management or you go with the cheapest partner, um, because they're half the price of, of you know, somebody else, or they tell you they can get the job done a lot faster. Um, you know, you're end up, you know, typically you might end up 
paying for that in the long run. Um, so, you know, again, words of wisdom from this customer, you get what you pay for. Um, you know, don't look at your digital transformation project as something that, you know, is, is, is going to come inexpensively. If it's, you know, it's going to be worth doing, so invest the right time, invest the right resources and project team to get it done well. That's a great point, Bonnie. Um, and we're going to just take a second here for a word from our sponsor, BMC. BMC wants to know, is your business on its A game? That's when systems are intelligent by learning from markets where automation is paramount yet effortless and when technology and people work as one in an enterprise. The A game is your business at its absolute best. BMC calls this the autonomous digital enterprise. Find out more at bmc.com slash A game. So, Bonnie, if I could ask uh, just one follow-up on that first piece, the good, fast, or the cheap, you made a, a particular point about saying that this, uh, that dynamic involves not only the technology vendor, but also the partner who can play such a critical role as well. Absolutely. And, you know, the partner is really the one that is going to help make or break the success of the software that you purchased. And they're the ones that, I mean, in terms of the, um, you know, interface that you have in the first year and ongoing with your software, you're probably going to see them a whole lot more than you do your software vendor. So, you know, choosing the right partner to lead you on the project, um, you know, and making sure that's the right partner fit for the scope of project that you have, I think is, is really important. You know, you can make a great decision about the software um, and then make a poor decision about your partner and, um, you know, the project's not going to go well. For uh, your third quote as well, has a lot to do with upfront preparation. Yes. So the, I, I would label this one as, is garbage in, garbage out. And um, the quote from this customer who was a workday uh, implementation said, we should have spent more time correcting our current state prior to project launch. Fixing the current and preparing for the future has been a difficult task. And I think this comes up you know, so much of the time where, you know, the new software is going to solve everything and you can, you know, start from a clean slate and it's going to be amazing. Um, but, you know, so much of the time, the history that you bring over into that product is what, you know, is, is going to, um, you know, be re really poor or, um, you know, be valuable in that system, depending on the cleanliness of your data. Um, is it still relevant and things like that? And making those critical decisions about what you bring over from the old system into the new system, what of that needs to be normalized and cleaned up prior to moving over um, is, is very time consuming. And I think the customers who um, you know, are able to spend the time to make sure that they're the data is cleaned up and that you're not bringing in garbage data into your new system, um, you know, that they really are the ones who fare well in the end. And, you know, finding a partner who can help estimate what that effort is for you internally is, is really important because your software vendor and the salesperson that you're working with, 
is typically going to underestimate the implementation effort and time. Um, you know, we're going to minimize the um, you know potential reality check of what that actually takes. And partnering with an with an SI who's who's done many of these before, who can help you set the expectation about what's required before you even start moving your data over in terms of cleanup, I think is, is really, um, it's important to find a good partner like that who can help you estimate what that effort is. Yeah, yep. Um, good counsel there, Bonnie. I know um, this other point, I think it was uh, two months ago, you had done a great piece about uh, how to sell a project to the CFO most effectively. And one of your key points in that was, you've got to pick the best team, not only for once the project begins to get it through, but in your selection of who's going to lead the project, the CFO, whoever the decision makers are on this, are going to look at it and they say, if this is so important, why are you putting a C plus or a B player on it? Why aren't you putting your best people on it? Because if it's not important to you, why should it be important to the company or important enough to invest in? Yeah. And you need that A team internally. You need the A team, you know, in, in your external resources as well. And, you know, both of those teams need to, you know, to be working well in tandem. But yeah, the, the, the quality of the players that you have and the quality certainly of the project lead um, is, a, is a really big factor in success. You know, I, 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 I had this conversation today about the reality of, of what happens when you get the B team or the C team. And I, I was actually talking with a software vendor who was lamenting about a customer who put their project on hold due to COVID. And then, um, you know, now is wanting to go re-go through the RFP process a second time and, you know, get, you know, almost redo all of the work that they had done in the initial part of selection. So this RFP process is going to be not like a year or plus long. What the reality happens during that sort of time lag is, I mean, you have internal turnover. So by the time that project actually gets signed off on and, and started, you probably have a totally different team composition than you did a year before. Because those people have left the company, they've gotten you know, promoted and going to different areas. So the project team that you end up getting is one that like inherited something and isn't necessarily the ones that really had that momentum and drive and passion around the project. And so these long RFP processes sometimes end up being a detriment when you can't get the team that you started with to even start the project. So it, that, it's, a, it's a huge factor. The quality of the team is a, is a huge factor. And you know, sort of getting to the critical decisions more quickly will ensure that you don't lose or turn team members over. Bonnie, what did, uh, what did the client have to say about that? Without a doubt, I mean, they, they already had the turnover, so they knew exactly what, you know, what they, what was, what was going to happen, you know, by the time that they ended up making a decision, getting contracts signed, and, you know, and, and um, the reality of, of how long of a lag that is. Um, so I, I think, there was a definite catalyst for them 
to sort of say, all right, we're, we're not gonna redo this whole RFP process. How can we accelerate this so we make a good decision without having to drag this out any longer? On that thread of picking the best team, this, this was the customer quote, it was a workday implementation again. Um, what they said was, is, regardless of the size of your firm, request that you have a solution design consultant as part of the SOW build out as the sales team representing our firm was not well equipped to appropriately build and execute the SOW for the company. This goes back to you want the team that presents to you during the sales process to be the same team that's going to live with you during the project itself. And, you know, going back to the idea of making a decision uh, a wise decision where you're considering and you know all the option, but make sure that things don't drag on too long will help ensure that consistency of team. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point, Bonnie. And you know, there, there's threads running through each of these four big points you've made. You know, about consistency, preparation. Uh, you, you have to take control over this and drive. Uh, the entire process from the beginning and, and not approach it like, well, you know, we'll, we'll sort of wing it, uh, do it a little bit on the fly. And I love your, your fifth, uh, you know, example here as well, Bonnie, where I, I, when I read this, I was recalling the first time that I heard the phrase, don't try to boil the ocean. Yeah, <laughs> without a doubt. Um, and don't try to boil the ocean overnight either. Um, <laughs> And, you know, these, these projects are, are massive and, you know, they're designed in some cases to like solve world peace. And it's like, no, all we need to do is, you know, solve this particular problem. And, um, you know, I think the customers who really can scope out a project well, put parameters on it and define, all right, what is going to be success in this particular project and what's, you know, by when, um, you know, some of those simple sort of clear targets are much more effective than the boil the ocean type of plan. Um, so the customer quote that I have for this, uh, this one um, has said, in my experience while implementing any large scale system change, um, large scale systems change, specifically where there are multiple geographies involved, it's important to keep it simple and launch one module at a time instead of launching the entire tool in one go. And I think it becomes very attractive to do a big bang approach where everything goes live at the same time and you can you know, get everybody operating under that same timeline. And that it sounds great in theory, um, but you know, with the complexities of geographies and time changes and regulatory considerations and things like that, I think our, the, the happiest customers are ones that can define a project that, that is realistic and, um, you know, creates um, an environment where they're able to, um, you know, not have to do everything all at once. And, you know, if there, you know, if there's problems that come up that they have the capacity to address them and fix them before, you know, everything breaks as a result. It's like a domino effect when something goes wrong, fewer of those downstream effects that you can, you know, mitigate for the better. And I think, the big ring approach, it's hard to mitigate all of those different components when you're trying to do everything at the same time. These are great comments that you've had from customers who lived through this and learned things and shared some of their ideas. Were there anything in here that surprised you? 
Um, you know, I, I guess what I was surprised most about was just the volume for Q3. I didn't expect as many projects to go live as we actually saw. I thought the impacts um, on project pause would be a lot greater because of, of COVID, COVID, but we did see a, a, a good degree of volume come through in, in Q3. And I think that bodes really well for, um, you know, for, for next year and, and things, you know, some of these projects now to be, you know, back on the radar and back on track. I have to share one thing with you. There's uh, one of the largest hospitals in the Boston area. I had a chance uh, to hear from their CIO recently, and he said that uh, before COVID, so the first couple months of the year, they were doing, he said about every month, they were doing about 9,000 virtual visits. So 300 a day. And he said, we were, we were pretty pleased with that. And he said, today they're doing 250,000 a month. So from 9,000 a month to 8,000 a day. And he said, if you had told us in February that by September, we would have to scale up at that magnitude, he said, we, we would have said that's just not possible, but it is. And, but it's possible if you apply those really good lessons, good approaches, thoughtful procedures and, and intensity. It's almost like a force of will, Bonnie. I think you've described with some of these pieces. You, you cannot let quirkiness or outside factors come in or just a lack of rigor derail you or else the whole thing is going to go, if not sideways, at least it's certainly not going to have the sort of outcome that you know had been promised to the executive team. For sure. And these almost misconceptions that we had prior to COVID that like, you know, why do I need an online grocery delivery, you know, within two hours? You kind of think of those things and you're like, ah, you know, who's going to go for that? And yet, like overnight, you understand the impact of being able to do that and that cap capability. Or you think to yourself, like my, my, my mom, right, who's in her 70s, will never use something like that. That's just not that generation. Um, that, that all of those sort of misconceptions that we had that had slowed these type of transformations down are now out the window. And, you know, the excuses to not move to a digital um, environment or, you know, transform the, the business model that you had, all of a sudden, all of those are, you know, proved false. You know, these five great points you've made, they've got to be taken in a context sort of a macro context here of profound change, unlike things we've seen before. And uh, this is not a COVID uh, repercussion. It, it happened before this, but it's sort of a sign of the modern times. You know, I, I always thought that vending machines, you could buy a candy bar, you could buy a soda. Um, then I started to see at airports, you know, you could buy headphones, you could buy some other things. But I think it's about a year ago, driving down a highway not far from here and uh, my wife pointed out, well, there's a vending machine over there. It's about, you know, 70 or 80 feet tall. You can go buy a car there. So these Carvana things where I guess you, you can buy a car, you know, really out of a vending machine. So, you know, what you were saying there about the two hour uh, curbside pickup and these things that a year, two years ago, that, that, that's nuts. That's just taking choice or possibility to an extreme. It's not. Uh, and we're seeing all around us the those virtual visits at the hospital that, that scaled up in a matter of months to a degree they never would have thought possible. So 
maybe in the background of a lot of these projects that you've described and the steps that have to be taken, we've also got to figure what we're seeing today is probably just the tip of it. Com projects are going to get more complex, more, uh, you know, they're going to be, have to be executed on a more rapid basis with more um, tangible outcomes than ever before. So I think the lessons that you're laying out, they're ones that people really need to be taking to heart. Mm -hmm. Right. And they need to be like people centric changes as well. And, you know, I think the businesses that put that, that experience at the forefront, um, you know, and, and change their model, digital models, the, you know, the way that they approach even their employee staff as well, um, you know, and can adapt to this new world are the ones that, you know, are going to come out as the leaders. Well, great. Bonnie, uh, any final thoughts on this and what, what you'd advise people to consider going forward? And please be sure to tell everybody where they could find more about what your company does. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, ravenintel.com is a resource that you can read the wisdom from other customers who have just gone through uh, one of these uh, digital transformation projects. We think that that wisdom will help you make the right one um, regarding your project. So definitely visit us there. We're happy to, to help you through your project. Um, what I would say is, is spend the time to make sure that you're partnering the, with the right firm to help you in your project. It's just as important as the software selection piece of things. Uh, they're, they're gonna be the ones to help you define your project plan. And you know, certainly we can help you um, know who are the ones who are doing the best job uh, with customers and, and helping them prepare for these changes. Bonnie, great stuff. Um, always a pleasure to have you. Thanks so much for being with us and sharing these terrific ideas. Thank you so much for having me. And thanks to all of you out there for being with us here at Cloud Wars Live. I hope things are going good for you. I uh, hope maybe your Q3, as Bonnie described, showed a pickup in things and that, uh, you know, business is going well. Thank you for being here, everyone. And we look forward to seeing you soon again back here at Cloud Wars Live.